Hi everybody, welcome to the One Network Show. Today it's a new episode. I'm Rémi Lorrain from Semtech, director for LoRaWAN Networks and also chairman of the LoRa Alliance Operator Community. Today we are more than happy to feature Mr. Alper Yegin from Activity and we're going to talk about LoRaWAN. Alper, welcome to the One Network Show. The scene is yours. Please introduce yourself and your company. Hi, Remy. <clears throat> Thank you very much for having me on your show, first of all. Um, so, yeah, my name is Alper Yegin. Um, I'm the VP of Advanced Technology Development in Actility, and I'm also the vice chair of the board and chair of technical committee in the Laurel Alliance. Cool. So before we deep dive into uh, LoRaWAN, Uh, what uh, does LoRaWAN stand for? What is it, LoRaWAN? And how it relates to LoRa? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, LoRaWAN is a communication technology that's specifically uh, designed and built for massive IoT use cases. And uh, as we define it in the LoRa Alliance, actually, it's an end-to-end -end communication architecture that leverages the LoRa as a physical layer and builds the whole stack above that both on the radio access network side and also on the core network side. And um, it is standardized by the LoRa Alliance and also endorsed by the ITU. Okay, cool. If I am an IoT end user, Alper, I want to know what problem does LoRaWAN solve? Could you elaborate on the problems or the, 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 the issues that uh, LoRaWAN is solving on the market? Sure. Um, so LoRaWAN is an LPWAN communication technology, and as such, it has a number of uh, features that characterizes what it provides to the market. The, the first one is the long range, the ability to communicate in far distances using the LoRaWAN technology. When it has line of sight with open space, it can have endpoints communicating with the network well above 500 kilometers. That's how we're able to place LoRaWAN gateways on the LEO satellites to provide huge coverage on the on this on Earth. And as as the as the uh, <clears throat> gateway comes down to the ground, obviously it starts to lose line of sight for a couple of reasons. One, because of the curvature of the you know Earth, and then secondly, the obstacle starts popping up. Right. So in the uh, rural uh, use cases, it is very common to have LoRaWAN gateways providing coverage beyond uh, 15 and 20 kilometers. As you come closer to dense areas, and the most, you know, the, you know, the extreme case is a dense urban, like a Manhattan type of like high rises and the city center, the range goes down to a couple of kilometers. So that's the range element. The second one is being low power. Um, the sensors with very small batteries can last more than 10 years. And a very good example of that is the water meters and gas meters, once they're deployed in the field, in millions in really remote areas, they can, they can <clears throat> operate uh, beyond 10 years. That's the expectation out of such sensors, not to be revisited or, um, or, or their batteries replaced uh, throughout this time. And then the third element is, uh, is uh, low cost. Uh, using unlicensed band and very low cost base stations makes LoRaWAN a very unique uh, technology as well. And high scalability. Even when using uh, a cheap uh, indoor PicoCell LoRaWAN gateway, being able to serve more, you know, thousands of LoRaWAN end devices 
that's the kind of scalability we have achieved uh, with LoRaWAN. And finally, LoRaWAN is based on open standard and ecosystem. So uh, any one of these features are pretty unique and the combination is, is unmatched in the market today. So Alper, seems a bit think what you are uh, describing. Which body is in charge of uh, LoRaWAN, building it and maintaining it uh, across the market? Yeah, we have the uh, LoRa Alliance as a nonprofit international organization with more than 400 members. Within that, we have uh, several committees. One of them is the technical committee that's in charge of um, standardizing the, the protocols and the full stack and the end-to-end -end architecture. And in addition to what we do in the technical committee, we also have the certification committee that's in charge of building the certification program and certifying the LoRaWAN end devices. So Alper, uh, imagine I want to join the LoRa Alliance. I know that LoRa Alliance has more than 400 members in every uh, region. What are the key benefits to, uh, to be a LoRa Alliance member? Yeah, all of the work we do in the LoRa Alliance is uh, member driven, including our standards. So by being involved in the LoRa Alliance, and especially the technical committee um, <clears throat> and organization, gets a chance to contribute to the development of this technology, um, to have a chance to steer the technology in a way that would benefit itself or the part of the ecosystem it's representing. And not only that, but being part of the conversations we have in the technical committee would provide the insight scoop and all of the background around how this technology is built and what's the best way to use it. So there's so, so, so much discussion that goes on and we cannot really capture every one of them in our technical specs, which are publicly available. And the only way to get that behind the scenes story and build an in-depth knowledge about this technology is being part of the conversation. If not contributing, at least being present when all these things are discussed. And also uh, an organization gets a chance to socialize and build its own ecosystem and partnerships as being among us. And as a Loyal Alliance member, also um, they can get their devices certified, which brings, uh, which provides a, a validation for the high quality of the um, devices they have. And it's a mark that is highly sought out by the market today. <clears throat> and also uh, by participating in the marketing committee activities, the organization gets a chance to leverage the collective marketing power of the Loyal Alliance. So Alper, uh, we were present together at Paris uh, Laura One World Expo. ESG and sustainability uh, were keywords on stage. Uh, I guess that Laura One is really focused on sustainability, sustainability, right? So, can you elaborate on how Laura One is sustainable? Take a market of like utilities. When a utility customer is opting for LoRaWAN, it's not for two years, it's not for five years, it's more 15 years. So they don't want to see the technology sunsetting, right? Could you share with us the DNA of LoRaWAN regarding sustainability? Sure, yeah. On that front, what really stands out is our standard is open and um, anyone can download our specifications from the web and their open source implementations. And our standard is also published by ITU as well. And we have an open ecosystem, meaning that there are no artificial barriers in front of any, any uh, vendor 
uh, any service provider to enter this market. So what that means is having an open standard and um, an open ecosystem. Um, that means for new players, the entry barrier is low. And that translates into a good and healthy competition, which uh, prevents lock-ins and also uh, um, that rises the quality of the products in the market and also lowers the prices. And especially having the IT's endorsement is, is a sign that this technology is here to stay. And that's why you see numerous uh, utility companies making this investment, migrating from legacy technologies like wireless MBUS to LoRaWAN. And as you said, when they make that deployment, such deployments, their devices will be in the field uh, more than 10 years, sometimes 12 and 15 years. So they would not be making such an investment if the technology were not to be uh, staying around that long. So Alper, it's good to hear that my children will be able to use LoRaWAN and the children of my uh, children. You often tell me, Remy, LoRaWAN is built from the ground up for massive IoT. What does it mean being built for uh, massive IoT? What are the characteristics of the standard that are making LoRaWAN so special for massive IoT? Yeah, so I mean, on that front, what, what you know, one of the really special things with, with the LoRaWAN technology and ecosystem is, we have built this technology from ground up, all based on the requirements of massive IoT in terms of high scalability, low cost, security, having the technology available and widespread. Now, it makes a huge difference whether something is built specifically for a purpose versus something is retrofitted for that purpose. Being able to build this stand from ground up, driven by the very unique set of requirements for Massive IoT, we have the ability to make it low cost, highly scalable, highly secure, and highly available. <clears throat> and, and along the way, we have also built and followed our own philosophy for building such an architecture. Now, a counterexample of that is, if you look at Nerban IoT, you would see that it is the trimmed down version of LTE, which was built for a totally quite opposite uh, set of requirements. So LTE, LTE is what you use when you want to live stream the uh, uh, world uh, football championship while riding on a bullet train, which is so not missive IoT, right? So starting from that point and then cutting pieces, you know, throwing things out to try to simplify it to carve out Nirvan IoT, you can only make it uh, this much efficient and low cost and, and scalable, right? So compared to something that starts from the bottom, something that is a trimmed down version of a complex system like LTE will never be as low cost, as power efficient, and as scalable as what LoRaWAN is. So, so that, that's one of the fundamental differences. And this kind of difference will always be present unless other organizations start from scratch, which with the vested interest they have in their ecosystem, building the fifth and sixth generation, that seems pretty uh, highly unlikely. Yes, cool. So, makes sense. We all know that IoT is about adoption. Uh, it's something very important. It's what we call the network effect. Uh, we know that LoRaWAN is today deployed in more than 200 countries. Uh, what about the adoption of LoRaWAN? Maybe you can give some examples of adoptions in region on some uh, key figures uh, that you want to share with the audience. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so in terms of the adoption, um, so having built a low cost technology that operates in an unlicensed band, um, that makes the technology highly accessible to the market. That's why we see all sorts of different types of networks uh, emerging. We have the public networks providing nationwide coverage. We have the private networks being built by the organizations just to have connectivity for their own needs. And then we have the community networks that are built using crowdsourced um, approaches. And we see such networks uh, uh, popping up both on the ground and in space as well with the satellite-based networks uh, emerging. And in addition to that, we also have a very um, <clears throat> collaborative ecosystem. So from the beginning, uh, the Lore Alliance members and the the larger LoRaWAN ecosystem has adopted a collaborative nature. For them, uh, working together is part of the game and it's an essential ingredient because for IoT, it's very well understood that one cannot build everything single-handedly. And, and that, that's, that's, again, one of the things that powers LoRa Alliance, which powers the um, acceleration of LoRaWAN uh, technology. So, um, so with that, you see the LoRaWAN networks mushrooming all around the world. And now that might look familiar if you look at what Wi-Fi has, right? Wi-Fi access points are all around the world as well. But what Wi-Fi is lacking is, you know, you have your own Wi-Fi network and, you know, several of your neighbors do have as well, but you, those networks are disjoint. They don't collaborate, meaning that you cannot leverage your neighbor's Wi-Fi network in your bedroom, which might happen to lose the coverage of your own access point. Or when you're on the street, you cannot use someone else's Wi-Fi network because all those Wi-Fi access points, they're isolated. <clears throat> With the LoRaWAN, um, we have the ability to integrate all of these networks together. So today you see the public, private, and community networks, both on the ground and also um, satellite-powered ones, being integrated. So um, that's one of the things we do in Actility. Um, uh, our product family is called ThinkPark, and we have built the very first uh, peering hub called ThinkPark Exchange to integrate uh, these networks together. And today we have more than 30 uh, such networks on ThinkPark Exchange peering uh, among themselves. And almost all of the LoRaWAN uh, roaming traffic, which is powering this integration, is carried over this um, this. Um, uh, uh, peering hub. So uh, yeah, in, in, in summary, we see different types of networks uh, uh, sprouting around the world and we have the ability to integrate them together to present as a single unified network facing the solution makers, device makers, and the end users. So it's a very good news when we see that uh, uh, Just Helium has deployed uh, around 1 million gateways uh, over two years. And we have 170 public operators, uh, LoRaWAN public operators uh, across the world. I like to, to, to say that it's like a jigsaw, right? Uh, each type of network is one piece of the jigsaw. And I think that uh, the success of LoRaWAN today is to be able to interconnect these network types. Whatever the use case are, you can combine different use cases. And I guess that I think that uh, Activity has done a, very, a great job because uh, Alper, uh, this year you already integrated uh, every type of networks all together, right? Right, right, exactly. 
And as I looked, I like to also add that we have been doubling the number of LoRaWAN devices every year. And all of these developments are happening in the face of um, numerous challenges the world is facing these days. I think that makes our uh, progress in the market even more significant. So moving one step ahead, uh, Alper, not a single technology is able to address every use cases. You explained that. Uh, what about the collaboration of LoRaWAN with other standards? Can be Wi-Fi or cellular, why not? Sure, exactly. So um, um, when it comes to wireless connectivity, no single technology can solve all types of problems. There'll always be a, a, a mix of wireless communication technologies used in the market. And, and as, as, as the technologies emerge, first they get used in isolation to solve the set of problems that they're able to solve. And as the time goes by, you see uh, wireless communication technologies getting integrated with the others at different um, um, strength or level of integration. At the moment, the kind of integration we see in the market is done at the product level. So I'll give you two examples of that that's already happening. One type is to use a common OSS and BSS, operations support system and business support system, powering distinct uh, multiple core and radio um, networks of different types. Mm -hmm. So again, ThinkPark today uh, provides a common OSS and BSS to drive both LoRaWAN core and radio network and also the cellular core and radio network. And through a single OSS and BSS, an operator that happens to have both types of access networks and core networks has the ability to provision the devices and manage their subscription and to funnel their traffic through a single platform. So that's one type. And another type is um, using a common core, like a LoRaWAN core network, not only to drive a LoRaWAN radio network, but also non-LoRaWAN radio networks. We have a, a concrete example of that as well. So we work with a Kinais that provides uh, satellite connectivity. Their uh, radio network is not based on LoRaWAN, but we have integrated their radio network to ThinkPark core network, such that the LoRaWAN core network has the ability to drive both Kinais satellite-based uh, connectivity and also LoRaWAN networks. And as, as time goes by, we'll also see uh, this kind of integration also be supported by the, um, by the uh, official standards as you know, evidenced by how Wi-Fi got integrated into 3GPP. Um, so this is part of the uh, long-term process, but the, the, the wheels are already turning in that direction. Very interesting, Alper. As vice chair of the Laura Alliance, do you want to share with us the key stakes, the key matters, the key subjects you are working on these days at the Law Alliance level. Yeah, sure. I, well, in in the uh, in the technical committee, we have twenty uh, working groups and task forces. So at any point in time, there are numerous things that are happening. I'll just provide a, a sneak preview of a few of those developments today. Um, one of them is the relay specification. Um, so we have built a specification that defines battery operated relays. So, um, you know, as much as we have a significant uh, range with LoRaWAN, obviously there are the limits of physics, right? We cannot have infinite range. So whenever a, a device is outside the range of a LoRaWAN gateway, 
Uh, with this feature we have built, um, networks will be able to drop in a better operated relay to provide extension to their coverage to cater to, to the uh, most uh, challenging RF conditions. So that's relay. So uh, technical spec number 11 uh, is being published. And then another specification is the application payload codec API. So we are standardizing the API for the uh, JavaScript-based codec applications, uh, which run on the application platforms to translate binary encoded um, payloads to JSON and vice versa. And by making this a standard, whenever a device maker or a solution maker um, puts a device in the market, they can also provide the application payload codec to translate the payload and make it available to any platform once that uh, API is followed by the device maker. Um, this is to reduce the friction for the device makers and solution makers having to implement a different uh, codec for every platform, application platform they are trying to cater to. Okay. As you see, we not only uh, stop at the connectivity level, but we take also the uh, challenges in the adjacent uh, field like the application uh, enablement. And one more thing in the um, very near pipeline is uh, to support single channel gateways. So vendors can build super cheap low-end gateways, uh, especially suitable uh, for the consumer market. And we're also working on further decomposition of the core network, enabling additional interfaces among the uh, network server, application server, and the joint server. Uh, so um, any one of these platforms can be built by uh, independent, distinct vendors. Yeah, very clear, Alper. I mean, you you carry on connecting the dots, right? It's about simplifying the uh, IoT and user journey, what you are doing, right? If I'm not a technical guy. Uh, Alper, you convinced me, as I like to say. If I want to join the Laura Alliance and become a member, how do I proceed? Yeah, well, what you need to do is uh, to visit the laura-alliance.org. Um, there's an online form, a very easy to fill it form for membership. And then once you submit that form, someone from Laura Alliance will get in touch with you to walk you through the rest of the um, membership process. It's open to anyone. There are different tiers of membership depending on how deep you would like to uh, get engaged, uh, adapter, contributor, and sponsor level members. We also have the institutional level members um, for um, uh, academia. Uh, it's it's a free of charge membership. Uh, so yeah, we have one choice that fits anyone's uh, profile and it's just a matter of visiting the website and filling the form and the rest is pretty easy. Then we welcome you to any one of our committees to start participating in our meetings and be part of this journey. And of course, if you are an operator, you can join the Network Operator Forum, right? Definitely. <laughs> and uh, Alper, is there anything you want to add today? Uh, well, I just want to summarize um, the whole story. Basically, we are building a technology to power a planet-wide network for massive IoT. And, and um, this planet-wide network is being built by stitching together countless many uh, networks of all types, public networks, private networks, community and satellite network. So this ability to stitch this type of networks together is very unique. 
And what I'd like to do is to invite the listeners to join this disruptive technology development. Um, they can be contributing to the development of this technology. They can be building products and services around it, or they may be leveraging the technology for solving their own and their customers' problems. And if they'd like to know more about uh, the LoRaWAN technology, I would recommend them to visit the uh, resource library on the LoRa Alliance website, where we have numerous webinars and white papers and presentations. And if they want to have hands-on experience with the LoRaWAN technology, they can visit community.thinkpark.org, where they can have uh, free of charge access to our um, ThinkPark core network platform for their non-commercial use. So yeah, that, those are the th two things I would highly recommend them to check out. Alper, a bit big thing today. As uh, always, it was just awesome. Uh, looking forward to having you for other talks. And uh, so I let you uh, continue this uh, successful story with the LoRaWAN uh, ecosystem. And uh, so, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, more interviews to come, as you know now, uh, with the One Network Show. Feel free to register to the One Network Show and follow us on LinkedIn that the network is growing and growing fastly. And uh, have a fantastic day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and sign up for new episode alerts.